What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. A podcast that deserves your respect, not your erotic speculations, you hormonal vulgarian. It's Sift Pop. Welcome to Sift Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he should know. He studied the podcast actuarial tables. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week, Lazy Vulgar Rancid Little Philistines was the name of his grade school jazz band. It's Ian Whittington, ladies and gentlemen. I am greatly offended. I did not have anything to do with jazz. <laughs> At any point in my life, ever. Why you gotta break the verbal reality? Why you gotta break the? Why why can't you just yes and Ian? Don't you, enough, don't you know there's how enough improv worked? There's enough of that in the world. I'll take everything else, but I will not take jazz. That must but be the I British version that. of improvisation instead of yes and it's no but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no but. It no literally is. But. Yeah. No but. What I have to say is better. Yes, yes, I'm sure it is. Well, we are glad to have uh, you back and glad to be uh, chatting about movies live again, doing a live show. Um, We do these as much as we can, and already the live audience chiming in and just... Uh, making making us feel so good uh, about coming to uh, coming to you live on the internets, which is a mm-hmm. a, a thing a thing apparently you can do. I don't know. Who know? Wait, what? Not That's in so England. We don't have it yet. We don't have the internet. <laughs> not not over there. Not over there quite yet. Uh, we are going to do some uh, movie talk. I will say, uh, I think it was out there for a second that we were going to talk about Poor Things. Uh, we already reviewed Poor Things on this show a while back. Uh, that was my mistake. Uh, but instead, there are now two Best Picture nominees we have not talked about for an official review. And so we're going to do one of those. We're going to do the holdovers. The other one, by the way, I think is Zone of Interest. I don't think we've done an uh, official resu- uh, review on Zone of Interest. Um, so, uh, maybe, maybe that'll be coming sometime. Who knows? But today we're going to do holdovers and then also talk about a new animated film that's on Netflix called Orion and the Dark. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, uh, wrote it and, uh, Netflix produced it. So we're going to talk about that one as well. Then of course we'll do some best ever challenge, uh, a, a rather subjective, interesting best ever challenge today. This yeah. is going to be, uh, going to be fun. These are our best ever movies that should have had Charlie Kaufman involved in, with them somehow. Like, it just feels like it's got Kaufman's fingerprints on it, even though uh, he wasn't involved. That'll be fun. And then, of course, we'll do some buried treasure at the end. Uh, I will remind you before we get into it that the link to make your Sposkers pick is live at the website. Go to sifpop.com. Click up at the top where it says Sposkers, and it will take you to the form. You fill out your choices for all the Oscar categories, and then whoever gets the most right, we will find out on live Sposkers broadcast evening, um, which will take place, get this, in conjunction with the live Oscar broadcast. It's a wild what? idea we had. Um, what? So, uh, so yeah, we're going to do it that way. And, uh, and we have a lot of fun. We kind of go through the night as the awards come in, keep updating it, kind of see how people are doing, see what the scores are, and uh, then crown a winner at the end of that. So get your picks in now. Don't wait. Because, uh, you know, if you wait, you might forget. 
Also, I want to wait till the last day so I can get them all right. And if you wait, then you might beat me. So, Wait, are you more likely to do it the later you submit them? I'm just being silly. I actually, I actually submit, submit mine right away. But I, uh, but there is something like there are people who are like, I wait to the last second because who knows how the momentum's going to shift and what, oh, what's going to happen. See if anybody gets canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. I do. Well, yeah. not not in the canceling th- part, but I do wait until the last minute before I put mine in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Head to again sifpop.com and click on Sposkers if you want to play along with that. Well, we got some movies to talk about, so let's kick it off with yeah. uh, the new one. Let's talk a little bit about Orion and the Dark. Ugh, but all the things I'm afraid of, ah! I'm most afraid of the dark. <laughs> What are you? Isn't that obvious? The room's dark. It's dark out. Hello, I'm dark. Of all the kids who are terrified, you are by far the loudest, the most obnoxious, and frankly, you're on a whole different level. You're keeping a list? Yes, I'm keeping a list. You know how many kids are afraid of me? A boy with an active imagination faces his fears on an unforgettable journey through the night with his new friend, a giant smiling creature named Dark. Uh, This, again, as mentioned, is a new animated film on Netflix. And Charlie Kaufman wrote it, but then it was produced by Netflix and brought to the screen some voices you may know, um, including uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who's always a lot of fun. Uh, what did you guys think of Orion in the Dark? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Ian, start us off. Uh, I liked it. Ian liked it. Andrew? It's okay. High side of okay. High side of just okay. I'm going to go with liked it as well. Um, and kind of right in the middle of liked it. Uh, Ian, it sounds like we have kind of similar views. What are some of the things you enjoyed about Orion in the Dark? Um, I, well, I want to encourage DreamWorks because this has still got DreamWorks attached to it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to encourage them to do this more. Like, I loved that this was kind of a bit Pixar-y, but like, like kind of a diet version of Pixar in the noughts and early tens, which is still better than what Pixar is doing now. But it's it's still it's not you like you act like Inside Out didn't come out like you know eight years ago or whatever like that's that's you know. a, that's exactly the time period I'm talking about it was that was ages ago like that's what twenty how long ago is that twenty fifteen yeah it was, I think it was twenty fifteen yeah yeah okay that's that's the region that I'm talking about and before but I I, I really like that element of this movie it's got a beautiful heart to it. Um, I think it describes definitely my experience as a kid really, really, really well. It's interesting that they had the th- the foresight to watch my life as I was growing up and then make a movie about it in 2024 without my permission. Um, so that I that opening like 20 minutes to 30 minutes sucked me in and really, really had me invested. Yeah, I. <laughs> I it's it's certainly appropriate you mentioned Pixar. This this really feels like, you know, outside in, you know, instead of inside out. Like you've got the characters mm-hmm. that kind of represent things or sold did a lot of this as well, um, which again is not very long ago. Um so yeah, there's there's this this idea that we are starting to to bring characters to metaphysical presence, you know, like ideas where and I I just think we kind of have Pete Doctor to thank for this. Like before Inside Out, it was kind of one of those things that that they were afraid to do and it worked with Inside Out and now they've done it several more times, including in this one. Um, I did have that initial thing where I was watching this and I was like, eh, he's kind of stealing the Inside Out thing. But the places this movie goes and the ways that it builds these characters, uh, make it wholly unique and very, very engaging. And I think the the biggest testament to that for me is the fact that I did not live this growing up. I had mm. z- zero anxiety or fears growing up. I was 
sickeningly self-confident and (laughs) you know what i mean like i was that guy you know Mm. and when i knew this movie got me was when it was the bully thing and punching him in the nose Uh because my parents said you have our look me in the eyes you have our full permission to punch a bully like if they if they are harassing you that much you punch them and i had that thought what if i kill them what if I break their <laughs> nose? What if the the one and only fight I get into is the one where I kill a kid? Like, and I just that that just like those thoughts when you're an overthinker just just consume you. I just when people when people would challenge me to violence, I just I always thought they were kidding. I was I always thought it was a joke. I didn't understand. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's a funny one. Um, but uh, but yeah, but the point I'm making is. I don't connect to this on a deep level very much at all, but it still sucked me in because I was able to see the world through the character's eyes. It's a very well-built central character. There's some really interesting things it's doing with the the structure and the way it's telling mm-hmm. the story, which, you know, thank you, Charlie yeah. Kaufman. Like, you, you knew that was going to be in there somewhere. And I just, I really liked all that stuff. And so I found myself more invested than uh, I thought I was going to be based on my very boring childhood where I was optimistic <laughs> about everything. <laughs> no one's making movies about your childhood, Aaron. Nope. nope. <laughs> That's not true. There are there are a couple, uh, but uh, but yeah, for the for the most part, we like to deal with the trauma of childhood, which uh, mm-hmm. I was privileged enough not to have a lot of that. Um, Andrew, what about you? What are some of your thoughts? Well, for the rest of us that had survival instincts growing up and mm-hmm. knew that we should be afraid of things, there are so many layers to this film. There's the surface commentary on being young and afraid of everything, but then there's also this additional layer showing that the adults can be afraid too, and that we sometimes never grow out of our fears of certain things, and that's okay. This movie mm-hmm. is... It could have so simply just been the story of Jacob Trimbley and Paul Walter Hauser's character, The Dark. You know, it so easily could have been that. But it's Charlie Hoffman, and he doesn't do simple. So uh, there is uh, a, so many different layers to this film, and I think that I, I really do appreciate them going the extra mile to try and give us this. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What else can we talk about? Uh, do we want to talk about some of the voice performances? Uh, Jacob Tremblay continues to do great work with whatever he does. Like it's clear he understands how to, uh, you know, embody a character. I mentioned Paul Walter Hauser, who plays the Dark. Um, you know, was was uh, was a lot of fun. Um, a great Seth Rogen impression. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought the entire movie. Like, yeah, uh-huh, Paul Walter I have to look is it really up. doing his best Seth Rogen, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah. I, he kind of, I mean, does he just sound like, I thought it sounded like Paul Walter Hauser. Did, was he doing it a voice? It sounded like Paul Walter Hauser doing a Seth Rogen impersonation. Yeah, it sounded a bit extra to me. It sounded mm-hmm. a little bit, okay. what, what, this might be a little bit mean, but what sold it to me, I was like, I'm getting some emotion and feeling from this. It can't be Seth Rogen. It must be someone else. <laughs> uh-huh. Nice. Nice. Um, uh, What else? What else, guys? What else do you want to talk about? Well, I, I don't uh, want to spoil it too much, but I do love the structure. I think that for me, it was running out of steam a little bit when we got like to the halfway mark, and it it takes this turn and adjusts its direction, and it's kind of hanging a lantern on on what it's trying to do as a story as well, and mm-hmm. it gives it permission to go a lot further and bend some rules and be a little bit be a little bit wackier and i i love that that re-engaged me at a point where i'd started to drop off and thought i've got the message <laughs> let's this is a great after school special let's move on so that yeah. it did kind of re um re-engage me i feel that if this film committed more to the father-daughter elements i think the message would have been better served because as it stands for me personally it feels kind of like a high-budget schoolhouse rock feature film. Like, it's it's not really... I wasn't endeared to any of the characters. Well, so, 
I do want to. I did want to talk about that the 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 character part, like uh, being endeared to the characters a little bit, because I did. I do think it brought the movie down for me a little bit. That I I I think that what some of these characters represent in our metaphor for is kind of terrible, and it, it made it difficult for me to see them as like characters to have empathy for mm-hmm. when they are whispering traumatic, terrible things into people's ears to keep them up at night. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't like you go away. I don't want you to, I don't understand yeah. why you want this. I don't understand who, you know, like what, what the idea of how, how can I think even dark is somebody to, to have empathy for, or to find my way to when he's kind of leading this group of, you know, do misanthropes. Yeah. Do batters. You know, like um, it is really, it's really interesting. I was waiting, and the movie didn't go this direction at all. I was waiting to find a clever reason for why Insomnia is doing the things that they're doing, and mm-hmm. why uh, the the noise robot is doing those things. And then you get a little bit because in Insomnia is like, oh, I'm not doing it. These thoughts are already there. But I was, I wanted, and I feel like Inside Out gives us a lot more meaning behind that because yeah. it's it's the most obvious comparison. This was just. You're just picking the things that happen and then personifying them. There's not much yeah. more to it than that. Yeah. And and there I, I think I understand what the movie wanted to do to distinguish itself from the typical animated movie, which is to say, no, we're going to make this like anxiety is uh or fear that's one of the inside out characters, right? I'm not wrong about that. One of them is the the mm-hmm. fear character, so. the anxiety character, um, the guy, the uh, not envy, not the green That's girl. Rage. The, the perp, no, the purple guy, not the red uh, anger monster. Um, anyways, it, it the the idea is in this case, it's like no, 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 no. That's like the polished version of anxiety. No, no, no. This mm. is anxiety. Like this, <laughs> this, this is Joaquin Phoenix and Boy is Afraid. Like this is you <laughs> yeah. know, this is uh, this is real stuff, not the fake stuff. So we have Inside Out at home. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I think that's what the movie was trying to do, and in some ways, I respect it for being consistent to the vision of we're not trying to polish over these things. We're not trying to eliminate these things. We're trying to figure out how to be uh, functional human beings who deal with these things who struggle with these things who persevere through these things not necessarily eliminate them Mm -hmm. or find some sort of resolution this isn't a movie interested in resolution i don't think it's interested in a journey it's interested in a story um but you know the the emotion you receive at the end which by the way i did i i you know of course um welled up a little bit at the end uh had some ocular wellitude uh and and that is that is i think in many ways due to the movie's ability to connect me to the relationships not necessarily the resolution of the story so Mm -hmm. yeah what about you guys i wasn't listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was too busy having somebody whisper in my ear yeah i see what you mean i i get that um, I guess it's it, it's almost like a split purposes because we don't those metaphors aren't really our main cast. Like our main person is this the the father and son characters, uh, sorry, father and daughter characters. And but I, I do enjoy how it's doing that generational thing between them, and maybe how we're passing trauma onto our kids without realizing it and. I do love how she calls him out and says, I know what you're doing, but you know what? Keep doing it. That's, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's still yeah. what we look for from our parents. Yeah, I didn't really, this is maybe, maybe it's just me, but I didn't really take it that way. I took it more along the lines of our parents. Aaron has said this before, but we're all still kids really, no matter how uh, much we grow up sometimes like in our Whenever we look at our parents, maybe we still see ourselves as kids, you know, and I think that that is kind of what this movie is saying. I think this movie's talking about like just because you grow up doesn't mean that you're not you, you don't have to be afraid of things anymore. I think that it's OK to be afraid of things. It's it's a survival instinct. It's part of human nature to be afraid of things. There's a difference, though, whenever you allow that fear to control every aspect of your being and i think that that's what this movie's trying to say stay out of uh 
your own head the be- as best you can. Uh, realize that it is okay to be afraid of things, but try to understand them. I think maybe that could be what this movie's trying to say. Try to understand what makes you afraid. Because then maybe once you do, it won't be so scary anymore. Yeah. And to be clear, I, of course I was scared of things as a kid. I'm still scared of things as at all. There are things that, you know, like Ian has seen me get on my hands and knees to crawl down. <laughs> nope. That's a, not what you said. Hill. Um, <laughs> so like, I, like I am scared of, I am scared of falling from, from, you know, heights cause mm-hmm. I don't want to die. But like that existential thing of, you know, like the darkness or, you know, whatever the case is, is just, it's not some, it's just like, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, why worry about something you can't control? I don't know. Like it's just for whatever mm. reason, my, my, my brain won't, you know, worry about those things. When I, when I, when I'm afraid of falling, it's something I can somewhat control. I can not go to high places. I can not walk mm-hmm. near the edge. I can, you know, those kind of things, but things where it's like out completely outside of my control. I just, I don't know if it was just training or if it's just my personality. It's just, I'm not, I don't linger on those things. Um, it's hard to um, control day-to-day things that make you anxious. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> getting out of bed, I have to do this, but it's making me very anxious. Yeah, yeah. I uh, will say one thing that really confused me about the movie a little bit, you mentioned it earlier, is dark. I didn't really get dark as a mentor or a guide because he's a big old sourpuss. He's just like, I, I hate the sunlight. I keep getting chased. Everyone hates me. I'm fed up of being hated. And then he just gives up. And I'm sure we uh, you could probably write essays about the deeper underlying meanings of that. But he just really confused me as a as a mentor and a guide. And maybe that's deliberate. Yeah, I think it is. I I, I think there's there's some wisdom in in understanding there's a difference between processing reality and denial. And I think sometimes people want to deal with anxiety with denial. They want to deal with it by saying dark doesn't exist. Dark isn't a thing. Dark is terrible. It's not, you know, instead of making peace with the reality of the situation and finding a way to process through it. And I think the movie is just saying, um, you know, it's not sunshine and rainbows. It's not, you know, and the ability to find your way to some sort of relationship with the darkness or some sort of peace with the existence of dark is, is a really powerful human ability. Um, so, and can lead to the ability to find joy, to find love, to find these other things that the movie, you know, eventually, um, walks us into again i love the ending of this movie i think the ending of this movie really really works um so uh so yeah any final thoughts on orion and the dark other than how terrible a name that is for this movie (laughs) (laughs) it's not great no it's not um no no i think that about covers it it's pretty much on it was pretty much on the surface well, there you go. Orion and the Dark is on Netflix, and you can check it out there. Um, I think we oh, don't the animation it. style. Sorry, that was my last thing. I really <laughs> like the animation style. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, let's move on to our next review. Uh, let's talk about a movie that's been out for a while. Let's chat a little bit about The Holdovers. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I had you guys stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. A curmudgeonly instructor at a New England prep school is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Paul Giamatti, Oscar-nominated Paul Giamatti for his role in The Holdovers. Dominic Sessa, not nominated for his role, though maybe he should have been. Divine Joy Randolph as Mary Lamb, nominated and projected to win for her. Probably going to win. (laughs) For her role here in this movie and many others. Um, What did you guys think of The Holdovers? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, kick us off. Love it. 
Uh, Ian. Yeah, I loved it too. And I loved it as well. You know why? Because this movie's amazing. Yeah, this it is. is. Yeah. This is such a great movie. <laughs> Andrew, why don't you start? What, what's uh, Tell us about why you love this movie. Uh, this is Paul Giamatti's best performance. He's fully immersed in this role as Professor Hunnam. It is particularly impressive because it is a performance that delivers both nuance and animation. This is a guy who... Whenever he needs to be subtle in in his performance, he can be subtle. But then there are also parts of this movie that are very cartoonish and slapstickish, and it's really fun to see a character have that much range in in the in in uh, this uh, actor to have that much range in their performance. Um, speaking of performances, Divine is stellar in this film. There's. No way she's gonna lose. I don't, or I shouldn't say that. But it's not. You've it's done it not now. Looking good for anybody else. <laughs> when she <laughs> well, doesn't win, that. we all know who to blame. This moment. Yeah. The way she keeps her composure until she can't anymore is breathtaking. This grieving mother exemplifies strength and dignity. It's, it's just, it's a movie filled with great casting and stellar performances. You had some thoughts. Um, yeah, no, that's a great summary. Um, Paul Giamatti really, like, we know he's great, but it's a bit of a surprise. Like, just this movie comes out and he just absolutely dominates. He's so, so good. And I love a, um, I love a Dr. House character. And I think he doesn't just, so many people get it wrong and just go too extreme and think that you just got to hate the world and be a cynic about everything. He has this, amazing balance and this is obviously in the writing as well this amazing balance to pull it back and find some humanity he's not completely lost to cynicism and um the um uh, the uh, mary lamb he's uh, like um what's the word foil in this movie i guess it just does the it's the perfect balance to bring him back and just with like a little eyeball just be like too far too far like kid doesn't need that uh, it's just the balance between um, uh, Dominic Sessa's character as well. Just the, the balance between the three of them. They kind of represent all of humanity just in in one little trio. And that's that's just that's just a great story. Yeah, I think for me, it's the little things in this movie. I think this is one of those movies where it just doesn't let up with the charm. Like, there's just little things all of the time. And that's not to say that this is a movie that depends on charisma, because uh, that's not it. It's not like, oh, these are, you know, bright, shining superstars who just own the, the, the screen. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's just a charm in all of the authentic, all the authentic, all the authenticity <laughs> of the moments. There's a moment involving giving a, a gift. And that becomes a running gag about this gift mm-hmm. that is given. Just stuff like that. Little things that are said here or there. Um, it's just non-stop through this movie. It doesn't give you a chance to get um, unjoyful. Like, it doesn't give you a chance to get uninvested. It's just, it's always doing these little things to keep your attention and to, you know, tell you a new, ang- you know, part of the story. It's also a movie that's unafraid to um, kind of change its course. Uh, what I mean mm. by that is you get a sense when you start off that we're dealing with Dead Poet Society, right? We're dealing with... That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, you, we're, we're dealing with uh, uh, charter school, where charter school is not the word I'm looking for, uh, boarding school kind of stuff. Um and so we're gonna meet. We're gonna meet our crew. You know, we're gonna meet the, the mm-hmm. all the all the kids that spend we're some gonna, time with. Them. We're gonna spend some time with them. We're gonna get to know who they are, and you know, we're gonna see how all of these stories, you know, carry on through the end of this movie. And then twenty minutes in, we're like, oh, it's Bye. just him. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's this so now. And the movie is unafraid to be this now. It doesn't feel like it has to be the same thing throughout. It follows the story not necessarily the structure. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's not always easy for a movie to do, especially because screenplays are so such an art now where 
writers understand how the three act structure works and here's what you do here and here's how you do this. And at some point you can lose the humanity inside of an equation. And uh, this movie does not do that. It just feels like we are witness to a story that is happening. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's unique. That feels very unique. And, and I mean, you add to it all the things you guys already talked about with the performances and, you know, uh, all those things. And it's just, it's, it's just a really good experience, uh, to watch. So very rewatchable. It is. It might be one of those Mm. movies. Phil is bringing up screenshots and I think you could bring up any screenshot from out the movie and it will bring an emotion in Mm. like that scene where he's holding the book and he's speaking to the, the sex worker is just a hilarious scene. And the, it's the, it's the writing, throughout that is so sharp and so deliberate and insightful like there is there are movies that don't waste a single word and that just like that tingles when you when you know you're in the middle of that mm-hmm. you know every sentence is deliberate it's beautifully directed it's just it is just it's so fun to watch a movie this well put together it also has for me some of the best setup and payoffs consistently throughout the movie that I'm like, oh, they're not going to pay that off. They're not going to pay that off. And by the end, pretty much everything is paid off. It's so, so good. Yeah, it's it's structured really nicely like that, or I should say it's um, uh, put together really nicely like that. Um, what's your history Let's with see that? the Alexander Payne element of it all, I was just going to bring up Payne. What is your guys' experience with Payne movies? Do you usually love them? Do you usually not? I'll, I'll run through them for you. Do you usually not mm. enjoy them? Um, you know, is it kind of hit or miss for you? Uh, really, he came him. he came into prominence with Election. That was probably the first one that a lot of people knew. Um, then there was a about Schmidt, the Jack Nicholson movie. Sideways was kind of the next level of prominence, I think, for him. Side, um, Sideways was my introduction. Um, then uh, Paris Je T'aime, which I don't think I've ever seen. I didn't. I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm, I'm misreading. Uh, that th- is French, Aaron. Well, th- oh, thank you, Ian. Thank you. You live right <laughs> near there, so you know it's it's good to know. Uh, the Descendants, Nebraska, Downsizing, and now the Holdovers. Um, yeah. What 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 do you what do you think of his uh, career? I'm realizing that I have not seen one of those movies. And not a single need- one. I don't. I haven't seen right. any of them. Right. I know you need to downsizing. Come back to town and we'll do an Alexander Payne. You know, Heck yeah. I know oh, downsizing yes, by reputation, um, but yeah, no, I I have a massive pain, and I can just end <laughs> that sentence there. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. Yep. Um, Andrew, what's what's your kind of Alexander Payne experience? Well. I um like I said I my first introduction to him was with Sideways and Sideways is one of my favorite movies. I think it's just stellar. It it doesn't have the <clears throat> the upbeat happiness of Holdovers. It is a very depressing movie, but it's shot in this this it's back or it's a background is Napa Valley, so it's just this incredibly gorgeous California scenery of these wine vineyards, and it's just beautiful to look at. But you have this guy who is so unbearably depressing, <laughs> and uh, uh, is it Thomas Hayden Church? Is that who is also in that movie? In Sideways, yes, yeah, 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 um, yeah, absolutely amazing. And then, of course, The Descendants is great, and I love Nebraska. I get people's uh, commentary on Nebraska. Why is it black and white? It doesn't add anything to the film. I get that. But at the same time, I think it's a fun movie. But, yeah, I like Alexander Payne. Um, I am hit or miss with him. Mostly miss, honestly. Uh, Election's fine. I like Election. Uh, About Schmidt is kind of mid for me. Um, Sideways is good. Sideways is good. But I'm still not like loving, loving his stuff. Uh, spoiler alert, Holdovers is my favorite Alexander Payne movie, which is saying something because The Descendants is really good. That's my other like Alexander Payne masterpiece. I think The Descendants, that's George Clooney in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I think that is it, really, really good. I don't like Nebraska. I didn't like Downsizing. Um, so he was kind of on a cold streak for me and then, uh, the holdovers bringing me back, but it's really the holdovers and the descendants for me. Everything else I could kind of take or leave. I know that's weird because sideways is such a huge hit. I, it just, it's, it's good. It's a good movie, but it's just not next level. Um, 
in my opinion. So, uh, so yeah, he's, he's been an interesting director to kind of follow. And I mean, the holdovers brings me to a place where I'm like, okay, all right, well then, you know, I'm, I'm back in like, you know, if, if, if you're going to do stuff like this, then that's, you know, that's, that's going to speak a lot for how much I might enjoy now, you know, he didn't write it. It wasn't his script. So maybe part of it is, you know, choosing good scripts and finding good scripts. Um, and this is certainly a great script. And so uh, it'll be, um, it'll be, that may be part of the equation as well. Uh, other thoughts on the holdovers? I love It's the- a little bit slower paced than uh, a lot of movies that came out last year. Um, that's not an issue for me, but I think that that's one that ne- needs to have people be aware of. It's, it's a I slower so paced much. film. I love it. Bo- I was just that, like, it was a bomb that- to my soul. You say it's slow paced, Andrew, but I'm telling you, I didn't. It didn't feel slow to me at all. Like I, I, th- I thought there was a moment. I think maybe what you mean is like, um, or how I would interpret it, the narrative spin I would put on it, is that it's not explosive. It's not one of those movies that you go to. It's and not, there's, yeah, there's that's probably better in, in you know those kind of things. The momentum and the. Uh, the intensity of it is cerebral in many ways um, or comedic or mm-hmm. um, story based, it, but I never felt bored. I, I, there was always oh, something no. to make me laugh or keep my attention. Um, so I wouldn't call it slow paced. I would call it, um, you Dialogue know, log heavy. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Yeah. I could go that, that route. Uh, any other I thoughts? Love, I love the, choice to it's a period piece isn't it it's uh mm-hmm. it's not set it's set in like the 80s or 90s right? oh yeah gotta go back far enough that nobody has a cell phone otherwise your movie gets really boring really fast <laughs> yes exactly and I, I love that choice not just because of the cell phone thing but it does have this dead poet society breakfast club like sheen across it as well mm-hmm. that i don't know like i wouldn't have missed it if it wasn't there but now that like knowing it's there, I'm just like I can't imagine this movie being any other way, and I can't quite articulate how it how it impacts the movie. But it just it feels like this is a classic movie that I'm watching for the first time. It it ages the movie and gives it maybe a prestige beyond a movie that you're watching in 2024 that came out in 2024. Like it, mm-hmm. it's the the credits, the way it's filmed just immediately elevated it for me i was like oh this is a this is a classic confident movie yeah uh any final thoughts on the holdovers before we move on no post-credit scene which eye should you stare at (laughs) it's a good question it's the ultimate question ultimate Mm -hmm. question um all right well before we that is the holdovers by the way that is streaming now on peacock if you want to see it, um, it has Ooh. been it has been out. It has been on VOD, and now it's streaming on Peacock. So, uh, if you happen to have that one of the streaming services, uh, you can check it out. And I think we would clearly all recommend that you do so. It Absolutely, really, really good. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, a uh, big thank you to our Sif Pop members. We did a pre-show uh, for our members today, and we often like to do that. Uh, Andrew runs those and does some do we cares and we answer a question from you and have all sorts of fun uh we talked about twist endings that we hate uh in this one so uh if you're interested in that you can twitching (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so mad yes so mad made made ian very very angry um so if you would like to hear hear, uh, angry ian you can go to patreon.com slash sifpop Check it all out there. Sports starts at three bucks a month, and we appreciate whatever you do. Even if it's just telling friends about what we do, that means the world to us. So thank you for that. Um, but again, that website is patreon.com slash The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, on to the best ever challenge. Let's have some fun. I'm calling this Shoulda Been Kaufman. Uh, That is the name of this best ever challenge. We will go number five to number one and along the way. Trump! We will trump anything that we have higher. I would be, it would be so fun if we actually had to trump on this one. Like if, because then it's like, oh, wow, we both kind of had the same thought on this movie kind of Well, your email did say Kaufman or like Kaufman. No, like Kaufman is it not Kaufman? There should be no movies. No, that... that's not what the email said. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Because I have four Kaufmans and one like Kaufman. Oh, well, that was not the intent. Ian, is that what you did as well? This is I. This is going to get even better. Okay. Because I did not realize that Charlie directed this movie, and your email. Didn't specify Andy Charlie. Kaufman. So I went Andy, realized <laughs> that I haven't seen any Andy Kaufman movies. So I I, 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 I had to like improvise and I was just going to bounce off of what you guys are saying. And then I looked at Charlie and realized I haven't seen any of his movies either. <laughs> well, that was the idea. So you didn't have to see his movies to uh, to be involved in this list. Okay, this will be really fun. There will clearly be no crossover because uh, <laughs> Andrew did uh, Charlie Kaufman movies. I did no Charlie Kaufman movies. And Ian... And Ian doesn't have a list. He doesn't have a list. <laughs> this is what the this email will... says. Top five movies that Kaufman oh, wrote, no, directed, I, I, or I, just feel like he should have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was... I, I have one. I do I do have one. <laughs> I just read it. What this is, this is a lesson never to get creative. Uh, just stop being creative. <laughs> just never, never stretch Stay the in format. The just Never. stay in the box, Aaron. Stay in it's the there lane. for a reason. Just stay in your yeah. lane, man. Just stay in your lane. Uh, the chat <laughs> chiming in, uh, Nick chiming in to say, uh, this whole situation is all very Charlie Kaufman. Um, yes. So, yes, we will do our best to – here's what we're going to do. Ian, you could talk mm-hmm. a little bit about your what you did find. And mm. then um, – so what is your knowledge of Charlie Kaufman? Let's, let's start there. Ian, what is your knowledge of Charlie Kaufman? I know he he did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes, that's that's my Trump. cultural awareness. That is that's that is <laughs> that is it. So I can I can try and pick out some movies that are that are that adjacent, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that is that was the idea I had. It is not what right. I wrote, and it is <laughs> not what we've done today. Uh, so all the blame is on my shoulders. That is that is clear. Um, but, uh, but I, I am excited to hear, um, you know, kind of what, what movies you think might feel like a Charlie Kaufman movie. I will give you, well, actually, Andrew, why don't you do your list all the way through and because because there will be no Trumps and most of your list is Charlie Kaufman. And that'll give Ian a sense of the other movies that Charlie Kaufman has written or directed or done. Um, so yeah. Okay, so at my number five, I have Being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. which is a wild, wild movie. I don't even know how to uh, recommend that movie to somebody. Uh, just if you really like John Malkovich, <laughs> this movie's for you. <laughs> uh, 
Um, my number four is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. This is mm-hmm. a newer uh, Charlie Kaufman movie. Wow. This movie has so much to say about relationships and moving on and grief and the title can be or the title can be so subjective doesn't mean I'm thinking of ending things in this relationship doesn't mean I am thinking of ending things which is very dark and morbid but there you never know where this movie's going to go and it's mainly just Jesse Plemons and please forgive me I'm I'm blanking on her name uh but it's just them sitting in a car for like it's a very lock-esque film just them sitting in the car talking and then it gets very Kaufman at the end. <laughs> Number three, I have adaptation. Which is the same. Before you move on, Jesse Buckley is who you're trying to think of. Um, Thank you. T- Tony Collette is in the movie as well, and she's phenomenal. Uh, I love this movie, and a lot of people didn't. I, this movie came and went, and not a lot of people uh, that year uh, talked about I'm thinking of ending things. I think it's a really great movie. Um, so, yeah. Continue. Number three, I have Adaptation. I would say besides Dream Scenario, which just came out last year, this is Nick Cage's best Damn performance that I've seen. Still one of my answers. <laughs> I thought you had only st- seen uh, Sunshine, Eternal S- Sunshine. Is Dream Scenario Charlie Kaufman? Oh, no, no, no Adaptation no, no. is. I'm talking Adaptation. Oh, He's, yeah, no, I'm making lists. I'm, I'm writing stuff down ah, and Dream Scenario gotcha. popped into my head. Well, he's well, not yeah, saying I won't Dream talk Scenario. About Patience, well, Ian. <laughs> Continue, Andrew. <laughs> Where was Adaptation. I? Adaptation. Adaptation, yeah. Um, this, this is meta done to the ultimate perfection right here. Um in a way that I don't think any movie could ever duplicate because you would just get uh, flagged for saying, hey, you're just doing adaptation again. Uh, Be original. Number two, this is my uh, Kaufman-esque film. So Mm -hmm. this may be, you want me to skip it? Uh, no, let's, let's go ahead and hear it. Uh, it'll be interesting if okay. I have it too. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, let's, we'll just do our, we'll all do our list individually this, this week since it's, uh, since I screwed okay. it up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is where I have her. I had that on my list. I had that on my list. Nice. Yeah. I think her feels very much like a Kaufman film. Maybe it's just the spike element of it all. Cause he can, he can turn it on. Just you like say you, you had that at your number two? Yes. That's my number two as well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. See? Oh, I'm curious to know what your number one is now, because that's what well, I would have picked for your number one. There's a reason. See, Kaufman collaborated collaborated with Spike Jones quite a bit. And this is a Spike Jones written, directed movie. So, like, yeah. that influence is clearly there. They vibe really well together. It makes a lot of sense. Um, that her would feel very Kaufman-esque. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. That was one yeah. of my choices. Yeah, and Scarlett Johansson gives one of the best uh, voice performances of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And number one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which there you I go. think um, is Jim Carrey's best performance. I will go with my Kaufman-esque movies next, and I will, I will say... I don't know why I put that Kaufman wrote directed in that. It was not my intention. Um, it was just supposed to be like the. That's why it's Kaufman esque. Um, but but there it is. I wrote it in there, so I totally yeah. Because even the gurus they put a yeah yeah movies into. I'm so sad I screwed it up because I think it's a really fun thing to like kind of think outside uh, the box. But I've learned my lesson. It won't happen again. Um, <laughs> Never have fun again, according to Never. Aaron Dicer. Stop it. So, so here are my top five movies that Charlie Kaufman could have been involved in, uh, that Kaufman-esque, should have been Kaufman. Number five, probably the most interesting one uh, on my list, Bo Burnham's Inside. Um, there is something very Kaufman about the meta way that Bo Burnham creates this special. You can see... Charlie Kaufman writing the character of Bo Burnham. Now, we know that's not what happened. We know that's, you know, this was Bo Burnham dealing with the pandemic and, you know, creativity during the pandemic. But you can see in a fictional sense, Charlie Kaufman writing this as a movie, as a story, because of the way his brain works and the themes that he likes to deal with. 
Um, so I put Bo Burnham's Inside at number five. Uh, on That's my an list. inspired choice, and I love it. Thank you. Uh, number four, I have Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, there's a lot of this mm. movie that feels like it could have been written or directed by Charlie Kaufman, the way it interacts with each other, the quirkiness of it, um, you know, the way it folds in on itself, all of those things feel very Kaufman-esque to me. Um, so I have that at number four. Um, my number three is Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day feels like a Kaufman movie to me in a lot of ways. Like there's, you know, the repeating days. It's an interesting concept. It's very quirky and fun. Um, it feels to me like something if Kaufman had been alive, well, I think he was alive. I actually, I don't know when Kaufman was born, but if he had been making movies when Groundhog Day came out, um, then, uh, it would have been something I think he would have done something like that. Uh, we mentioned her at number two. That was my number two as well. And then my number one movie that Kaufman should have, could have been involved in uh, is The Truman Show. Uh, the Truman Show feels very much like the themes that he likes to deal with, very quirky and interesting, and um, you know, also deals with uh, the idea of how media impacts the world around us. Um, it's 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 interesting because it shares a lot of the themes with your number one uh, and the only one that Ian's seen, uh, Eternal Sunshine, and it also sh- shares Jim Carrey with Eternal Sunshine as well. It's interesting how similar those those movies can feel to each other in some ways. Um, but yes, so there you go, Ian. So what have you, I, what have you I, thought I, of during this? I've done it. I have five movies, and full disclosure, I finished my list when Andrew finished talking. So oh, okay. Here is my here's my list. Five, four, three, two, one. Number five. I think it gets better as the list progresses. <laughs> yeah, uh, generally, that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> no, I mean as in my my application. Uh, how applicable these movies are. Okay. All right. Last action hero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, I can see little, that. A little bit of like self awareness and mm-hmm. and interesting interesting conceit. Um, number four, Stranger Than Fiction. Mm, I had that in my honorable mentions. Yay! Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a okay. great, that's a very choice. good pick. Yeah, Stranger that's Than Fiction. Yeah, pick. it's a really good choice. Very self-aware and um, yeah, super interesting conceit. More interesting than I think the movie delivers on. Um, my number three was uh, Eternal Sunshine. Of the spot was mine because it's the only one that I <laughs> that I've seen. Then Dream Scenario, which we mentioned, and I think that I was pretty confident that fits I agree. the bill and. Yeah, and yeah, um, totally. and confirmed that the one I'm proudest of because it was my number one, the Truman Show. <laughs> Yay! And the universe will never believe me. But I was like, when I started looking through this list and what you guys were mentioning, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, Truman Show absolutely makes sense. So this has been an education for me. This has been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I changed my mind. The lesson is to do this more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, the other and Andrew, if you if you have any like Kaufman esque movies in your mind that you want to mention, like in the honorable mention section, we can do that. Um, the only other one that I had thought of possibly including on my list was the Lego movie. There's something about the Lego movie that feels very mm-hmm. uh, Kaufman to me um, with the way it interacts with its characters and the the world building it does towards the end. Um, feels like something Kaufman could have written. Um, but yeah, what about uh, what about the the gurus slash any others that you've thought of. Believe it or not, the gurus at number three have the Truman Show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Maybe that's so the they, right answer to the question. Maybe that is. Uh, it really that, is. It, yeah, it, it has like to be. It. Number two, they had Adaptation. And at number one, they had Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. There you go. Uh, well, that was apparently. <laughs> A best ever challenge. That was incredible. That was the best, best ever challenge. When, 20 years from now, when the category is best, best ever challenges. Yes. You'll, re, you'll write the question wrong number and we'll invent them. This yep. will be number two and number one will be uh, that best ever challenge that is the best ever, best ever challenge. Yes. That will be number one. Um, all right. Let's, let's finally move into buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Ian, you're our guest. So you will go last. Andrew, why don't you kick us off? 
Well, if you listen to the pre-show, The Moops, then you know what my buried treasure is going to be already. It is Rocky Two. We were talking about the passing of Carl Weathers, and I just want to reiterate everything that I said during the pre-show. I think that uh, in Rocky Two, Carl Weathers really steps into his own, <clears throat> excuse me, and he uh, takes on the role of the villain so much uh, better than what I imagined him being able to do. Because it's just a man whose pride and dignity are, he feels, are like in shambles. Because he lost, or he didn't lose, he lost in his mind to a nobody. And what he uh, starts getting that hate mail and everything, it's, it's it made me, the passing of Carl Weathers, unfortunately, didn't make me really do appreci- appreciate his performance in Rocky too. Yeah. Rocky 2. It's kind of one of the, you know, it's not necessarily one of the ones people usually mention. And I don't know why that is. Um, I, th- I think it's probably because 4 is so, like, out there and <laughs> in a lot of people's childhoods and, you know, just kind of hit a lot of people at the same time as, you know, a lot of pop culture was invading, you know, kids of the 80s lives. Um, so... But uh, in three had Mr. T, and so I think that gets a little more recognition. I predict pain. And the original pain. is is often considered the you know like the prestige one, like the one that was actually yeah. you know worth uh, you know awards and that kind of stuff. So I think two gets forgotten, but two's a good movie. Uh, Rocky two is decent. I for the first time ever 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 watched all of the Rockies and all of the Creeds last year. Did not like Rocky one at all. Had so such a bad time with it. And then oh, loved no. the heck out of Rocky 2. <laughs> and it, I don't think I've ever been more confused by a sequel. And then I went back and rewatched Rocky and I was like, no, I like this movie. <laughs> I have such a weird relationship with the Rocky franchise that I, I just, I don't know what happened the day I watched Rocky the first time, but two saved the franchise for me. And then after that, I was like, I'm all in. Other than five. Five is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I knew Tommy Morrison, so I have a bit of family, you know, familiarity. Oh, interesting. With him. I don't think he's garbage. I think the movie is. Yeah, Ian, you need to do a podcast called like Scrambled Franchises or something, yes! and like you, you can talk about Scream and Rocky, so good. and yeah, yeah, and just Fast and, and Furious is going to be the next one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start with the Tokyo Drift, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, then jumped to Actually, seven. I did it with Evil Dead. I watched the most. I watched Evil Dead, the like 2013 one, then Rise, and then the other one. <laughs> I just I don't like watching things in order. Apparently, yeah, apparently not. Uh, my buried treasure is a board game that uh, I've been playing quite a bit, but I've been playing it on my phone as a mobile game. Um, it is a game called Wingspan. No, it's um, not. <laughs> It's, oh, yes. I'm sorry. I, I have dubbed this game Birds with Friends, uh, and, and that has stuck uh, amongst those of us who are playing. Um, but yeah, so basically, this is just a board game that deals with birds, and the birds have different kinds of nests. They have different kinds of foods that they eat. And they have different kinds of powers and they have different environments that they live in. I'm not going to get into the the details. It does feel very complicated at first, um, as many modern board games can. Um, but there is something about this game that really con- uh, connects to my brain's need to find permutations. And so there's a planning element of this game where you're planning which birds to play where, how that's going to impact all the different scoring opportunities, whether you're going to score for nectar, whether you're going to score for bonus points, whether you're going to score for objectives, end of round goals. Like there's all these different ways you score points. And so the idea is to put together uh, a lineup based on the different uh, permutations that scores the most uh, points. So I've really been enjoying it, having a good time with it. Um, and so I thought I would throw it out there for other people whose brains work the same way I do. I have played, in fact, I played the physical copy first. It's not just something uh, that I've played on mobile. Um, I did play the physical copy first. And I should mention there are three expansions to this game now, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, they're expanding to the birds of different continents. So like each expansion adds a continent. Like I think one's Europe, one's Asia, 
Um, and so it just brings a whole new bunch of birds in and, and really changes the gameplay. Um, you know, there's a whole new game board for one of the expansions and you have to take certain things out and put certain things in. Um, there's whole new game dynamics. I mentioned nectar. That's not actually in the base game. That's a part of the expansion. So, um, if you play the mobile game, um, you play the base game unless you play an online match where you're like matched with other people. Um, and if you do that, it actually has all the expansions. So you can play all the expansions if you do like a random online match game kind of thing. But I'm having a blast. Ian and I play <sighs> currently we're playing six games a day or so, uh, <laughs> yeah. in our spare time. Um, so, uh, so we're both kind of addicted to this. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think kind of once you, mm-hmm. once you get into it, uh, yeah, Ian, did you have any great. further thoughts on it? Oh, it is. It's either I think it's either a game that's going to tap into something or you'll throw it away. Like it is an involved game. It is a difficult one to second screen because I will either lose something in the game or lose whatever is on the second screen that I'm watching. But it is it taps into this optimizing engine building thing in my brain as well. That is very, very appealing. And it's, it's pretty much the definition of minutes to learn eternity to master because there's there's so many permutations i i was thinking how chess like this game is in that in that there are so many moving pieces that you're 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 trying to think ahead a certain number of moves but you also have to think ahead if this happens and then if this happens so you're not just thinking here are my next five moves you're thinking here are my next five moves if this is the case here are my next five moves if this Mm -hmm. is the case here's where i go if these are the kind of birds that i draw here's where i go if you know, so it's just it's just keeping in mind a lot of those, you know, possible possible moves. It feels very similar to chess in that way to me. Yep. Uh, all right, Ian, what is your buried treasure? My buried treasure is so dumb. Um, it's Air Force One, <laughs> <laughs> which it's just, it feels dumb to have this action movie from. The early nineties. You talking about Harrison Ford's Air Force? Heck one? yeah, Harrison Ford's Air Force okay. One. I have What's wrong with that? never seen this movie. It was always like on my mum and dad's, like they have this big wall filled with DVDs and videos and invariably we'd watch the same three over and over and over again. Um, and Air Force One was always up there and I never watched it. And a few months ago I was watching the uh, Jack Ryan movies um, and that's mm. obviously Harrison Ford heavy. And just jumped into air force one and i love this movie so much it's so fun and it's it's what i love about it is that it's not harrison ford being super moody harrison ford like as indie and as han solo han whatever and as um even as jack ryan he's kind of this grumpy moody oh i don't want to do this but in this he's the president of the united states he's charismatic but he like this is Harrison Ford dangerous because he uses his charisma and like turns it on, and it's it's Die Hard on a plane. I know Die Hard Two is Die Hard with a plane, but it's basically Die Hard with a plane, and it's it's Gary Oldman doing an incredible Russian accent and being Hans Gruber. There is just nothing to not like about this movie. It's just a great '90s action movie with cheesy taglines um he boots an individual off of the plane and just said like this huge score builds up and then the music cuts and he just says get off my plane it's so good it just it gave me tingles um it was jerry goldsmith did the score in like seven hours and it's just yeah so much fun i love it There you go. Uh, Air Force One is available for uh, rental or purchase on VOD. Rocky 2 is available on Max. And Wingspan uh, is available on Android or Apple Play. Um, And there you go. Those are our buried treasures. And I think we did it, guys. I think we we, we managed to to power through. Technically, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) To power through my sudden urge to... Be creative and still somehow made a podcast. Congratulations. I hope you learned your lesson. I I have, indeed. Uh, I will never learn any lessons. 
there. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for coming by again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thanks to Ian Whittington for Woo! coming by. Yay. Ian, where do Thank you, you want to? Me. Where do you want people to find you? Uh, just on the internet and stuff. I do a Star Trek podcast where if you really want me angry, then then I, I get angry on there <laughs> when Danae disagrees with um, my Star Trek opinions and decides to hate on Darmok, um, which which is just unthinkable. But we're currently doing uh, an unconventional love theme. For um, the kind of month of February-ish, and we're doing Star Trek episodes that are not just lovey-dovey, but take the love into new and interesting directions. So yeah, that's uh, Captain's Pod, and then find me on X at Witsind. He also gets angry when you tell him all the ships are called the Enterprise. They're not. (laughs) See, see, just instant, just it just erupts out of me. What's the Klingon Enterprise called? You're a get out, get out. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not I as big as you. a Trekkie as Ian, and even I can get a little infuriated by I that. Could, I could tell you what it is, but I'm not going to, because okay, I don't think you really enough. want to know. Fair enough. Uh, we do appreciate you being on. We also appreciate our Sif Pop members for supporting what goes on here. Uh, as mentioned, that support starts at $3 a month. If you want to check it all out uh, with the bonus episodes, all that kind of fun stuff, it's at patreon.com slash siftpop. You can connect with us by leaving a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, you can email us, feedback at siftpop.com if you want to send us an email. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than actually pondering what nothingness actually is. We'll be back next <laughs> week with uh, more fun. And we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Probably, what's the, is it, is it uh, Madam Web? Is that next? I think Madam Web comes out Thursday. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.